Welcome to American Indian Living, a program developed by the Native Education and Health Initiative to improve and enhance the health of people throughout the Native communities. American Indian Living is hosted by Dr. David DeRose, a board-certified specialist in both internal medicine and preventive medicine. Dr. DeRose has a wide range of experience with Native health issues, and he's ready today to help you learn more about your health. Here's Dr. DeRose. Welcome to American Indian Living. I'm Dr. David DeRose. We're glad you're joining us for another show being recorded from an exciting venue. We're at the National Congress of American Indians. It is Phoenix, Arizona. That's the venue. It is 2016. And we're talking with tribal leaders and other important people making a difference in Indian country. This show is no exception. Across from me right now, Eddie Crandall and Elaine Bethel Fink. It's great to have both of you with us on today's show. Thank you. Thank you. Now, your names are not strange names in Indian country. A lot of people who've been involved with tribal leadership know you. You've been active in uh, tribal affairs, tribal politics. Elaine, tell us first a little bit about your background. I was elected in 2002 for tribal council, and I've been the tribal chairperson for the majority of all those years, with the exception of about a year and a half. So I've been on council almost 16 years, 15 years. And like I said, of that time, I was tribal chairperson. And I'm the oldest of 13 siblings. My mother just celebrated a 90th birthday at the end of August. She speaks our language fluently, uh, our Mono language. And she is, she's the second oldest elder in our tribe. And because of the language issues that all of the tribes have, mm-hmm. we use her as a source a lot wow. for pronunciation uh-huh, and how to say uh-huh. different things and whatnot. So I live in the town of North Fork. We have over 2,070 tribal citizens mm-hmm. across the nation. The bulk of them, are the largest percentage is Madera and Fresno County. And, but in our community of North Fork, we probably have 300 as a population of native Mono people. Okay, so Tribal Council Vice Chair currently mm-hmm. for the North Fork Rancheria of Mono Indians of California. Right. And just for those geographically trying to picture the state of California, Fresno, that would be close to uh, North Fork. Help us out. Fresno is about 38 miles, and we're northeast of Fresno, Madera. We are geographically the exact center of California. We're 30 miles south of the south gate of Yosemite, and we are in the foothills, in the Bass Lake, Oakhurst, that area. Very good. Okay. Now, Eddie Crandall, you also are in tribal leadership. Tell us a little bit about your background. Well, uh... My name is Eddie, however, a lot of folks know me as E.J. Crandall. Um, I'm a Pomo in Yakima. I have different variations of Pomo. Well, my grandfather is from Hopland. My grandmother is from Robinson. Um, I have lots of different Indian blood. My father is a Yakima Indian. I've served on council as the chair for about a year and a half now, almost two years. I just got reelected, or actually just got elected. I was appointed in 2015 and elected here in June. I served on the council in 2006 and seven. As a member at large, and outside of being on the council, I've worked on Indian country as an education director. Uh, it's numerous positions like that for different tribes. I was in the military prior to uh, coming back and helping Indian country. I was a sergeant in the Army. Now, we're here especially to talk with you two about TANF. And uh, for some people, that's a household word. For other people, they say, you're here to talk about What? Um, help us out. What is TANF, and uh, why should folks tuning in today be interested in learning about it? 
We just celebrated a 20-year anniversary as far as the um, uh, TANF being developed. The TANF program is temporary assistance for Native families, and this encompasses all Native American that qualify for this program. And in essence, pretty much what it does is takes the place of the welfare system, but it's Indian people helping Indian people. Mm. So therefore, we know cultures, we know traditions, and we know how to, just like anybody else with any other race, would know how to work with their own people. This program assists in... Um, Cash development, career development, uh, right, right, right. So, it's assistance to needy families. We care for them in the own, their own homes, job preparation, work and marriage, preventing pregnancies, hmm. and those kinds of programs we have throughout this TANA program. So now, EJ, it's called temporary assistance. Yes. Why is is it temporary? The goal is within uh, sixty months, which is five years, they would be off of the program and be able to self sustain themselves in. Uh, the mainstream world. So basically, TANF is something that any tribal member anywhere in the U.S. can be a part of, or is it localized? Well, it, in, it is localized for certain par- tribal TANF partnerships. The one that we have is called California Tribal TANF Partnership, where you have 22 tribes that are uh, in partnership with us and 16 counties that we cover. However, North Fork has their own TANF program, which they cover their own distinction as well. Um, we also utilize the California judgment role and uh, their their tribal membership as to qualify and apply a partner or a participant. That's the word I'm looking for. Participant. Okay. <laughs> use. But I know that they you might you may have some different. Uh, well, each program we have the flexibility of being able to use the monies and the grant dollars in what we feel that would be best for the programs that we have, and. Um, as far as the families, it's any Native American that qualifies from mm-hmm. that area. So somebody that moves in our area is Native American, say, from a different state. If they qualify for TANF, then we can put them on the TANF program. Okay. So mm-hmm. it could be someone who's Navajo or Cherokee. Yes. They don't have to be from your particular region. That's correct. It's very similar then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's talk to some of those people who are listening in right now. Some are saying, wow, uh, I'm going through a difficult time right now. We've got financial challenges in our family. I actually see patients not far from where you uh, you know, are based there, EJ, in Lake County in California. We've had a lot of fires through there yes. in uh, 2015 and 2016. A lot of people have lost their homes. And one of the big challenges for many of my patients, they say, you know, we were renting, but they are, you know, the rent prices just keep going up because there aren't that many places out there. If a Native person tuning into this show, maybe in that area, says, it looks like we're going to be out on the street if something doesn't change. Mm-hmm. Are they a candidate for TANF? Is that the kind of thing you would help with? Yes, it is. They, they would uh, come to the local local office. The one you're talking about in Lake County, they would just go right to Lakeport, uh-huh. go into the side office and uh, talk to one of our caseworkers and get on the plan or you know figure out a way to get some service. Mm-hmm. Would be. So, Elaine, let's talk a little bit about the process is it difficult for someone to qualify for the funds that are dispersed through TANF? Well, it depends on their income. It depends on family size and all of those things. Um, there are forms that they would have to fill out that they can uh, qualify. My suggestion would be, if anybody is interested in this, is just to make a, a call to their local or, or a tribe in the area that they know. And I know uh, 
throughout. Everybody knows her, especially in California, yeah. who the tribes are, that mm-hmm. they can call and ask about a TANF program, and they can steer you in the right direction. Right now, there are 73 TANF grantees across the United States, and there is 567 federally recognized tribes, by the way. Mm-hmm. And um, these grantees serve 284 federally recognized tribes and also Alaska Native villages that are non-reservation. Now, when you say the number of tribes that they serve, is that only because those individuals have applied for the funding because anyone who's a member of a federally recognized tribe is eligible for the funds? Is that right or They're not? They're eligible. In each of our programs, we have a certain area, so we don't overlap, and so we're not infringing upon one another for as far as our area. Mm-hmm. So, like for North Fork, we've got several counties, and then we're working on getting about three more counties so that they know about TANF so that they they can see if they're eligible. And, um, you know, the welfare system, there is that. But when you have Indian people, like I said earlier, Indian people helping Indian people is so much better to be able to work with them. Mm -hmm. EJ, what kind of things do you hear from people who have actually been uh, recipients of uh, of TANF uh, funds. Well, there's there's, uh, there's many different uh, dynamics to the TANF program that we obtain. There's youth. We have a youth uh, youth program where they work from 15 to 18. They work in the summer, the summer youth program, mm-hmm. and uh, we have at least four or five in just Lake County that have oh, that okay. are already working now in as an adult. So they went from the program to now working as Taxpaying citizens. Mm-hmm. Um, there's families also. There's uh, success stories where some of the folks and families that have been on the program that just initiated with barely anything and just didn't know where to go are now holding and living normal lives, bu- buying homes, things like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, so those are the type of things we're aiming for and getting them off of that five-year uh, benchmark. The five years is really seems like a long time, but it really isn't. So, um, you know, we're hoping to get them into different steps throughout their life, whereas Initially, they may need to pay bills. Mm-hmm. After a while, they're starting to save for college funds or putting putting money away for retirement or even buying homes. You know, w- once off the program, of course, then they have all of that uh, service and whatnot. So really, TANF funds don't just go to people who need what the program's acronym would suggest, and that is temporary assistance, but it is also involved in prevention, if you will, working with youth and things of that nature. Yes. So, Elaine, tell us a little bit more about what excites you about the program. What excites me is the self-sufficiency, and that's what we're trying to teach our people, that they can do these things. They can work. There's work participation that um, they're mandated to do in order to get these monies. But we'll help in any way we can. And like we said, with the youth, the preventive things, we have a lot of statistics that uh, enter in as far as our native peoples. And it's... What's exciting to me is that there's another alternative rather than welfare to where, and I know about the welfare system. I know a long time ago how you had to go get the foods, wait in line with your car, and you get the cheese and the flowers and all that, you know, and to provide for the people. And then maybe you'd get a, a... I don't know if they got a little check at that time. That's all I remember. But there was no interaction as far as Mm. helping the person Mm -hmm. 
to a better life or help that person to find a job or help that. But, you know, so this with the TANF program, you have the work participation. You have, like um, yes. Eddie brought out, the prevention, especially for our youth and whatnot. And statistic-wise, I'd like to go over some of this with you. Please. Um, on the reservations, 39% of Native Americans live in poverty. We've mm. got the highest poverty rate in America. It's almost twice as the national poverty rate as 2010, 15 through percent. Um, we have um, a low, low unemployment rate in our areas. The alcohol, um, alcohol and drugs is prevalent in the Indian communities. Diabetes is 177 percent higher, and um, the Indian children have the third highest rate of victimization. The statistic suicide rates. The suicide rates are just just huge. Yeah, def- right, mm. and um, with the TANF program, Indian people helping Indian people, you give incentives to them as to how they can make their lives better. You show them that there are other jobs, there's other things to do. And what I'd really like to see a lot more mentoring ship mm-hmm. through this. Yes. Well, believe it or not, our time is rapidly slipping away. EJ, other things that you think are important that, uh, that our listeners should hear about TANF? Well, one of the things for the TANF program, and I think what we envision, and I'm pretty sure that it's across the board, is that we would like to have folks come into our offices and aid them through the paperwork. Whereas when you go to a traditional, you know, welfare program, or if you will, you go in, they hand you paper, and you just got to figure it out. And mm. they have more people to serve. For this one, it's more involved. You sit there with them. If they, if they don't know exactly what the parameters are, they'll sit with them and, and guide them through it. That's tremendous. So this is definitely a more friendly system. It's Native Americans helping Native Americans. Elaine, if someone wants more information, you've already kind of said, well, go to a a local tribe, talk with them. Are there any other points of contact that you would recommend? (laughs) Well, there's so many more different programs because, like like I said, she has what North Fork Tribal Tan. If we have California Tribal Tan, a partnership, Mm -hmm. there are so many different Native programs, so it's just based on the area. So if you're in California, Northern California, Look for California Tribal TANF. If you're if you're in uh, Central California, you would look for North Fork Tribal TANF, and then you know Bay Area of California, you would look for Washoe Tribal TANF. So there's just there's so many different groups that have TANF programs. However, it's just sensitive towards the area. Okay, so. you guys have been great. Thanks for sharing your enthusiasm about TANF. Thanks for getting the word out. Any final comments in our last well, few moments? I just moments? like to say at the powwows and at venues such as this, we try to have TANF booths. We try to have a place where, where somebody can stop by and ask about it. In fact, at, at, you know, we have a booth here yeah. today or for the, the time that we're here and they have brochures and whatnot um, to, to talk about it and find out about it and see if you qualify and if it's something that might be interested. And the reauthorization on TANF, by the way, has expired. It expired in 2010. We've been trying to get um, uh, it reauthorized, and it's been extended, extended. So that's another issue that we're facing right now. So we want to make sure that the word is out that we do want to continue this program for the tribes. Thank you both so much. We've got to run. I'm Dr. David DeRose. We're going to be back with more from the National Congress of American Indians in Phoenix, Arizona. Don't go away. A lot more to come on today's edition of American Indian Living. Today's broadcast has been pre-recorded. However, if you have questions about today's show or would like further information, please call 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. We'll be right back after this. This is Betty White. 
I know you don't need one more thing to worry about, but listen. High blood pressure can cause kidney damage, blindness, heart attack, stroke. And you can have high blood pressure even if you feel all right. One in seven adults has it, but it's easy to get your blood pressure checked, and you can treat it if it is too high. So don't worry about it. Don't ignore it. Just see your doctor and check it out. For your free booklet, visit the Will Rogers Institute at wrinstitute.org and find us on Facebook and Twitter. Emergency medical unit, respond to 102 Maple Avenue, possible stroke victim. When stroke occurs, you have 60 minutes to win or lose the race of your life. There are new treatments, but you must get to a hospital fast. If you suddenly feel weakness on one side, have trouble speaking, walking, or seeing, it could be a stroke. Call 911. Get to a hospital. Because how you spend the next 60 minutes could determine how you spend the rest of your life. Stroke. Know the signs. Act in time. A message from the National Institute of Neurological Disorders in Stroke. If you receive disability benefits, keeping Social Security informed is key. Keeping us informed minimizes the chance that we learn about something later that could negatively affect your benefits. That's the surprise no one wants because it creates overpayments that you must repay, disrupts payments, and can even jeopardize your entitlement to Social Security benefits. Learn more about reporting responsibilities for people working and receiving disability or SSI benefits by reading our online publications, Working While Disabled, How We Can Help, and How Work Affects Your Benefits at www.socialsecurity.gov pubs. Some changes can be reported online at www.socialsecurity.gov. You can also notify us at 1-800-772-1213 or contact your local Social Security office. Our goal at Social Security is to pay you the right amount on time every month. With your cooperation to keep us informed of changes, the likelihood of any unpleasant surprises that could derail your benefits will be greatly minimized. You're listening to Dr. David DeRose on American Indian Living. Your comments and questions are welcome. Call now at 1-800-775-HOPE, 1-800-775-4673. Here again is Dr. DeRose. Welcome back to American Indian Living. I'm Dr. David DeRose. We're continuing a series of shows being recorded from the exciting venue of the National Congress of American Indians in Phoenix, Arizona. It is 2016. The month is October. And we've got another great guest in front of us. We're doing something a little bit different in this segment. Across from me right now is Mia Magdaleno. Mia, it's great to have you with us on today's edition of American Indian Living. Thank you. It's so nice to be here. Now, Mia, we're doing something a little bit different on this segment of the show. You're here with a very interesting connection. We just had some folks who represented uh, TANF from Northern California and Central California Tell us a little bit about why you're here at the National Congress of American Indians. Um, I'm here just to get more um, connections and just try to get more information as I continue on to college. I'm super excited. I'm going to be doing television and broadcasting, mass communications. That's my major. And I'm not really sure what area of focus that I want to do. But I think um, through time, um, I'll probably get better. So No, that's great. And yeah. so basically... <laughs> You're getting some on-the-job training here. Yeah. So when you go to school, you're not just green. You've actually been on a nationally syndicated radio <laughs> show as a guest, right? Yeah, this is so exciting. Now, you're also, we mentioned this connection with TANF, but you are part of a group who's being sponsored by TANF in Southern California. Is that? Did I understand that correctly? Yeah. Um, it's the Boba Band of Licinio Indians. They're kind of by Morongo. Okay. Uh-huh. So Southern California, kind yeah. of. 
uh, out by Palm Springs, that yeah, general Palm neck Springs. of the woods. Yeah. And they have a group that TANF is sponsoring, a group of young people. Yes. Okay. And what kind of age range is your group? Well, it goes from 14. I think it's 14 to 18. Okay. So, yeah, you age out at 18. That's great. And so I noticed we were doing some of the interviews earlier, and you came by, and you seemed very engaged about what we were doing, what was happening here. Definitely. So we were able to catch up on one of the breaks. And Mia actually, like I alluded to, she's going to turn the tables a little bit. She's going to be asking the questions. She's yes. going to be the host here. <laughs> this is kind of dangerous for me, but <laughs> Mia's going to be asking me questions and uh, why don't you go for it? What's what's on your mind about uh, what I do as far as the host of American Indian Living? All right. So what got you into this? What intrigued you to get this job? Okay. Well, it's an interesting question. I, It's a long history, really. Before I was even a physician, I was interested in, in radio. Mm-hmm. And I got a job as a volunteer when I was in college at the college radio station. At the time, I was going to school in Michigan. And the school I was at had a a national public radio affiliate there. So they were asking for volunteers. I volunteered. And I don't know if they must have done some kind of audition or something because they gave me a position at the radio station. I wasn't getting paid. (laughs) But they had a program where you actually read from books. Oh, nice. And so my job was to be a reader on this radio show, and I would read from books on the air. That's, you have a really nice voice for um, radio, so. Now, did we pay you anything to do this job? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> okay, okay. We just wanted to clear the air. So, yeah, so I was doing this job of reading. And later on, I became a physician. So I finished college, went to medical school. But I had a lot of interest in oral communication. I ended up getting involved, giving health talks for communities, And one day I was speaking in a little church, a small church. You would say, well, nothing, I mean, it's so insignificant. Why are you even wasting your time? I'm a physician now, fully trained, in actually in my residency at the time. So I have an MD degree, but I don't have my specialty training completed. And I gave this uh, talk, and someone in this little church came up to me, and they said, we need to get you on radio. And I said, well... You know, what are you thinking of? Well, this person ended up, I guess, buying time on a local radio station and had me start doing 10-minute health talks. This was while I was still in my, my residency. And it just seemed, Mia, that wherever I went, doors opened up for me to do radio. Actually, there was one time where I did try to see if there were some doors opened in the area of uh uh, of radio, but they never opened up. The only things that opened up is when people said, well, you willing to do this? Would you record this for us? And then about 15 years ago, I had been practicing for a number of years in Oklahoma. I was working a lot with diabetes and especially with a lot of Native American tribes there in Oklahoma and beyond. And a Native American tribal leader wanted to start this radio show. And he somehow, I guess, he knew about my radio background. He knew me as a physician. And he asked if I would host a new show that he was calling American Indian. Actually, no, he didn't call it American Indian Living. He first called it Vibrant Native Life. That was the first name of the show. And then they later changed it to American Indian Living. That's so cool. And you mentioned earlier that it was like 20 years you guys have been airing for? or 
Well, I've been doing radio for over 20 years. This particular show, with the name American Indian Living, I want to say it started in, oh, somewhere around 2002. So we're talking 14, oh, wow. 15 years. That's so nice. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So do you guys attract the younger audience or like more um, older audience? No, it's a great, no, it's, it's a great question, though. <laughs> Health radio in general tends to attract usually an older audience. And the reason for it, most people would say, is because younger people, they usually take their health for granted. Mm. So they don't, they, they feel, I mean, the kind of the saying in public health is we talk about younger people sometimes feeling like they're immortal and they can eat anything they want, keep any hours <laughs> they want. But as you get older, you realize you can't do that. So I generally find more interest if I'm speaking in a community, for example, from individuals who are older rather than individuals who are younger. But all of us try to do programming, both on the radio and in real life, if you want to call it that, (laughs) where we attract that younger audience. Because, for example, Mia, if you get serious about your health today, Mm -hmm. that is going to help you live longer for the rest of your life and live better, right? Actually, it's funny that you bring that up because I'm vegan. Really? Yeah. And not a lot of people my age are like um, vegan and they're Uh like, oh my gosh, like what's wrong with you? Like you need to eat meat. And even my parents, they're like, oh, like you're not eating meat. Like why? (laughs) But um, I think that now that um, the millennials are coming up, I feel like more of us are trying to buckle down about our health and Uh you know a lot of people um have like weight issues i guess Mm -hmm. at my age and they Mm want to like kind of not be overweight so they want to be healthy they want to be looking good feeling fresh young beautiful Uh and then like so a lot of people are doing things like waist training Uh and uh becoming vegan like Uh i know there's now vegan menus at certain mm-hmm. restaurants, which mm-hmm. is really cool. Cause I think like maybe 20 years ago, if you saw a vegan menu, you're like, what the heck? We're at the wrong place. Like we need to go get a burger. Now this yeah. is dangerous. You're, you know, you're talking to people who are listening on 150 different stations and you're talking with a doctor mm-hmm. about you being on a vegan diet. How do you know I'm not really into the paleo diet and I'm going to be telling you, you need to eat a bunch of meat. <laughs> do you know anything about how I eat? No. You want to guess? I feel like, I think you eat meat. You eat meat, right? I've actually been a vegan since I've been in medical school. Oh my gosh, are you serious? No, I'm serious. That is so crazy. And in fact, the book that they're giving out here, the the new book that I and a few other doctors have written, 30 Days to Natural Blood Pressure Control, there we tell about how the vegan diet is the best diet for preventing high blood pressure, preventing diabetes, and controlling high blood pressure. Yeah, and and to add on to that, like losing weight, like personally. No, you're right. Yeah. Have you lost weight yourself? Definitely. How much have you lost? I was 180. 180? 180, and now I'm 140. But on top of that, I joined wrestling, so I lost a lot of weight through that. But just on the vegan diet alone, I lost, see, 80. I went to 160. I went to 160, so that was 20 pounds just eating fruits, vegetables, and um, no dairy, no animal products, just stuff like that. Now, and I'll I'll be honest with you. This is what I tell people in Indian country. I say I don't know, honestly, of any indigenous peoples that historically were vegan. But if you look at a lot of the anthropologic literature, most tribes 
were largely vegan. They ate lots of yeah. plant foods. I mean, they would have some wild game or some fish, mm-hmm. but their diet, the foundation of their diet was largely vegan. Now, is that what you found in your research as well? I feel like a lot of things that we ate were like corn, like that's mm-hmm. very common, mm-hmm. squash. Mm-hmm. And I think what made people think that meat is part of um, who we are, a lot of Native Americans associate meat with being a part of being Native American. Mm -hmm. So, like, if I go back to the reservation and my grandma cooks a meal, like, she's like, oh, like, why aren't you eating? Uh uh (laughs) And then I'll be eating a a salad or some pita chips with some, like, with hummus or something. Okay, right. And she'll be like, that's not food. So (laughs) it's kind of funny to think about, like, how they think that certain lifestyle, like, of eating meat is just the way to live. Mm -hmm. And so when they see something different, they're like, um... Like, what is that? They're mm-hmm. intrigued, but at the same time, they're kind of not with it, I guess you can say. Well, I'm I'm excited about meeting you, Mia, and we don't have to chase you away. We've got more time in the show. I think you've uh, captured my attention, and I'm assuming you've captured the attention of our listeners. We're going to be back with more from Mia Magdaleno, <laughs> and uh, she's, I think, perhaps got some more questions for me. Definitely. And, oh, she does. Okay. <laughs> so I'm in the hot seat on today's edition of American Indian Living, <laughs> and uh, we've been featuring TANF and some of the good things uh, they've been doing. One of the things they've done is they've brought people like uh, Mia Magdaleno and other Native young people here to NCAI. We've got more to come. Stay tuned. Dr. David DeRose and Mia Magdaleno, we will be back after a few words. Stay tuned. American Indian Living will continue in a moment. If you have questions or comments about today's pre-recorded broadcast, please call 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. So, you want to be a hero. Here are some ways to get the job. Hunt down that killer shark. Or run into a burning house to save a kitten. Luckily, there's an easier way to become a hero. Call 911 if you see someone experiencing the symptoms of stroke. Sudden weakness on one side or trouble speaking, walking, or seeing. Stroke. Know the signs. Act in time. You'll be a real hero. A message from the National Institute of Neurological Disorders and Stroke. Can you guess what's going on here? It's kids getting fit. Studies show that children and teens who get at least 60 minutes of physical activity a day reduce the risk of obesity, heart disease, anxiety, and increase their overall mood. So whether it's around your neighborhood or at school, just get out and play. For your free booklet, visit WRInstitute.org or call toll-free 877-957-7575 and find us on Facebook and Twitter. The Will Rogers Institute since 1936. My name is Tom Thornton. And my name is Cindy Thornton. We're retired, and this is how we live United. We decided to volunteer with United Way at our community free health clinic. United Way is how we contribute. Because we know our time and money are going to the right places. Judging by the thank yous we get at the clinic, I'd say we're doing the right thing with our retirement, too. We're Tom and Cindy Thornton. We volunteer at our community free health clinic. We don't just wear the shirt. We live it. Give. Advocate. Volunteer. Live United. Go to liveunited.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. Diabetes affects more than 29 million Americans. If left untreated, diabetes can lead to serious health problems such as heart disease, stroke, blindness, and kidney disease. Your family's health history can be an important factor in determining your risk of developing diabetes. The National Diabetes Education Program wants to help you and your family. Do all you can to prevent or delay the onset of type 2 diabetes. 
Visit yourdiabetesinfo.org to learn more. You're listening to Dr. David DeRose on American Indian Living. Your comments and questions are welcome. Call now at 1-800-775-HOPE, 1-800-775-4673. Here again is Dr. DeRose. Hello, everyone. How are you guys doing? We're back, and I'm going to teach Dr. Duro how to use Snapchat. So he told me that he's never used Snapchat before, which is insane to think that someone's never used Snapchat before. So we're going to take a selfie. Okay, so so Mia here, she's trying to bring me into the next, <laughs> give me this quantum leap into the millennial world, if you will. Okay, so should we do a video or a picture? Um, it may be safer to do a picture. Okay. Well, I think, okay, there used to be filters, but there was literally an update just this morning. Okay, now you remember this is radio, so no one can see what we're doing right now. Okay, you're right, you're right. Okay. Okay. So we're going to take a picture. Okay. Ready? Okay, so we're getting a <laughs> selfie here. Okay. Oh, my gosh. Here, you take it. Oh, I'm going to take it? Yeah, because okay. I feel like you always look better if you're not taking it. Oh, I see. So you're more concerned about you looking good than me. <laughs> Wait, like my hair looks really crazy right now. Okay. Okay. Um, ah, you missed it. Uh, okay, I messed it. I took it at the wrong time. <laughs> okay, so there's no filter, so we just gotta like. We gotta work try to look our best. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay, so we just took a Snapchat. It's first ever Snapchat. Okay, so how, how does it? How is this a Snapchat? So you were already in some app called Snapchat. Yeah. And so this now went up into the into cyberspace, so yeah. to speak? It's for 24 hours, and, you know, people who add you get uh-huh. to see that. But it's a pre-recorded show, so who's going to see it? <laughs> it's not going to – this show Ooh, isn't airing right, right now. Right. Um, so I'm really not that far behind because I'm not using Snapchat. <laughs> 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 yeah. Okay, listen, let's, let's get refocused here. Mia is trying to help me out, but I know you folks are interested in – the next generation of native leaders in Indian country, and Mia is one of those people. She's uh, interested in broadcasting yes. and uh, television journalism, and she's getting some hands-on experience captaining the ship. In fact, as we were coming back from the break, if you were surprised not to hear my voice when the announcer said, and here is Dr. <laughs> DeRose, Mia had uh, already told me, she said, could I introduce it? So uh, this will be in her, I'm sure it'll be in your resume, at Definitely. least at, at least for the next uh, year or two. But once you get <laughs> yeah. all those big credits, you say, well, who, I don't even remember American Indian living, right? No, honestly, this is really cool. And I feel like this is definitely, get, because it's my like first time being on the radio, I feel like this is definitely going to be something I remember. Okay, okay, good deal. Yeah. And so she's going to save the MP3 and have it mounted. <laughs> You say, Dr. DeRose, you're really out of touch. What will mounting an MP3 do, right? Okay, well, let's let's talk a little bit more back to, to health oh, okay. and back to you and your vision. Because I, I actually, just to be honest with you, I think you're an inspiration oh, to many you Native so youth. I mean, you're taking an interest in um, really in broad tribal-based things. You're not just playing video games today or yeah. what you're actually here at the national congress of american indians rubbing shoulders with tribal leaders yeah. what does that feel like honestly it's so inspiring to see people my age and some people younger or a little bit older than me just doing such big things and impacting their world and i know definitely as i grew up my parents always told me to try and get an education and then bring it back to the reservation and try mm-hmm. to 
better where you grew up from. And I thought that was just really in inspiring because what I was told as I grew up, like it was put into words and it was put into action actually. Mm -hmm. And my mom always tells me like actions speak louder than words. Uh -huh. So I definitely think that this is such a great opportunity. So That's know. great. That's great. Yeah. And your story is perfect because when we had folks on at the initial segment of this show uh, with TANF, Temporary Assistance for uh, Native Families, they were sharing with us about that program, mm -hmm. and they actually talked about the uh, the real exciting thing as far as preventive strategies. So it's not just helping needy families in Indian country, but it's working with youth mm -hmm. like yourself and giving them skills, giving them opportunities. And this is, I mean, you're like a perfect <laughs> yeah. illustration of what we were just talking about at the beginning of the show. Uh-huh. Now, here's the other thing that we have to talk about. And again, I'll let you turn the tables if you need to on <laughs> me. But I do a, a lot in Indian country. I'm heard on 150 stations, something like that. And I meet a lot of people. I travel around, speak in different venues. I don't meet a lot of First Nation peoples who are vegan. <laughs> now, I, I, do, I do have some friends who are. Mm -hmm. But many of them, just like you were sharing about your family, feel like... You've got to eat meat. Yeah. Actually, I've got a funny story. Tell me. Tell me. Okay. So one time me and my grandfather were walking down at the park and we were just, you know, having a little stroll after, uh, before we got dinner. And then he stopped me and I was just like, like, what? He's like, wait, look. And I was like, what? I was wondering what he was pointing to. He grabbed a piece of grass and he grabbed it. He's like, look, dinner. And I was just like, oh my gosh, like I'm vegan, but that's uh -huh. not what I eat. Like uh -huh. he always, my family's always just joking with me and saying like, oh, like, you know, lettuce. And uh -huh. You're on the lettuce diet. <laughs> and even my friends, they're just like, oh, um, let's, let's go to the lettuce line and, and during lunch. Cause like they have like salad lines or whatever. So I think that's pretty funny. So there's not a big group of your friends who are vegan. No, actually I get a lot of people like they're really interested when they hear, they find out that I am vegan, mm -hmm. especially when I go out, like I go to get dinner or something with some friends and then like the waiter will be like, Oh, you're vegan. And I'm like, yeah. And then a lot of people will be like, Oh, what is that like? And it's just really cool. Cause you just like, you're able to inform other people. And it, I think a couple of times when I got into deep conversations with someone on why I was vegan, I definitely, I convinced them to either go vegan or vegetarian. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Well, now, do me a favor. Make sure you pick up a copy of the book, 30 uh -huh. Days to Natural Blood Pressure Control. Definitely. They're giving them out free here. Definitely. Okay? I got At you. least that's what they told me. <laughs> and uh, if you want me to sign it, I'll sign it for you. Yeah. If you've heard enough of me and seen enough of me after the interview here, <laughs> just cross my name off the book and oh, just God. enjoy it without, okay? <laughs> you, sometimes I have this, uh, you know, self-deprecating humor, we call it, oh, kind okay. of putting myself down a little bit. I but think I know we're all a little like that. We're all a little bit like yeah. that. Okay. So, but, but, so let's, let's come back to this whole thing about diet and stepping out of the mold. So you're somebody who, for some reason, and I want to hear about it, why <laughs> did you decide to go on a vegan diet? Um, well, I'm... I'm coming for you. When you do, when I'm done, you're going to answer. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to get the same question. Okay. Go. I, I got a feeling this might happen. Honestly, I feel like you should go first. Okay. Because I'm older, huh? No, because I feel like when you go second, you get time to process and think. Okay. So go ahead. Okay. Well, I'll tell you about it. When I was raised, I actually had never met anyone who was a vegetarian or a vegan. <laughs> had never heard of such a thing. Okay. Uh-huh. And I went away to college. I was born in the uh, Chicago area, lived in the Chicago area, and went away to school in Minnesota. Oh, nice. And while I was there, 
I, I actually, I'll just tell you, when I landed on that campus, I was what you would call an agnostic. So that means I didn't know if there was a God or not. I didn't know if there was a creator or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And I ended up, while I was there, coming to believe there was a creator, there was a God, and he was interested in my life. Yeah. And as I started to look at things from that perspective, I ended up reading a variety of things, including some health books that were based on that premise. And I, I think it was this connection. I've got to take care of my health that I got interested in a healthier lifestyle. And I ended up first becoming a vegetarian. Mm -hmm. So I was what uh, doctors today would call a lacto-ovo vegetarian. So I would be eating some dairy products and I have some eggs, things like that. But I got rid of all the the flesh foods, all the, you know, the red meat, the chicken, the poultry, all that stuff. When I finished college, so now I'm a vegetarian, finish college, go to medical school, I'm learning more about microbiology. Oh. I'm learning about disease, and I, I'm learning about dairy products and how they can actually have all kinds of disease-causing organisms. Yeah. So I'm still drinking milk, though. So I say, well, I've got to start sterilizing my milk. Now, Mia, do you know how to sterilize milk? Actually, quick fact about milk. Yeah. It's actually mixed infused with, like, blood from the cow because they're so cruel with it, like... It's so disgusting to think, and the reason why, like, we don't see the red is because they bleach it, which I didn't find out until, like, a little bit before I came vegan, and that's definitely disgusted me from milk. Okay. And then also the cheese, it's like milk, like the fat of milk. Take that um, that fat, and mm-hmm. they make it into cheese, and I think that's so disgusting. <laughs> it's so nasty. Okay. Well, that well, I didn't, I didn't make all those connections. I wasn't maybe not quite as advanced as you were at that <laughs> age, but... I'm I'm getting concerned about the disease in yeah. dairy products. So I'm buying the milk, and then while I'm studying my medical classes, I'm boiling the milk. That's how you sterilize it. Okay. And if you've ever boiled milk, it's very easy to scorch the milk, you know, burn it on the bottom, uh-huh. or for the milk to boil over. Mm-hmm. And so as I'm having all these problems sterilizing the milk, one day I think I just asked the question, well, what do I need this for anyway? Yeah. And so I just... You know, got that out of the program, got the eggs out, and as a medical student, now I'm a, on a vegan diet. And I actually found, now I was changing some other things too, I was getting more exercise, but I used to have lots of digestive health issues as a young person. I mean, even 8, 10 years of age, I can remember having real bad abdominal problems. Yeah. Those virtually all went away. When yeah. I got on a healthier diet, started exercising, I lost some weight, too. You look at me right now. I'm not a big guy, but I, I was uh, carrying some extra pounds, and those just vanished when I got on that better lifestyle. That's really good. And honestly, like, you have really nice skin. And I don't know how old you are, but I feel like you'd tell me, like, a really old age, and then I'd be like, you don't look that old. And okay. Then, well, yeah. just think however old you want me to be so, you know, you can compliment me instead of saying, Dr. DeRose, you're only 35? Wait, I'm, how old are you? I'm older than 35. I feel like you're 40. I'm older than that. Okay. So we'll take that Ooh. as a compliment. So okay? we're going to just say um, veganism helps you age less. Okay. Well, I, I would say. You know, one of the things that really ages you, and, and this was something also that um, I was fortunate never to have gotten involved with is uh, addictive tobacco use. Oh, definitely. So we're not, I I don't know of anyone who studied ceremonial use, but these folks that, you know, are smoking a pack or Mm -hmm. two or even a half a pack a day, that really ages 
the skin, no yeah. question about it. And you look very young too. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I don't know how old you are, but take a guess. Well, you look you you look younger than twenty. Yeah, I am like younger than twenty. Take a guess, like a number. A, a number? number. Yeah. Um, how about uh, seventeen? Yes. Oh Am my I gosh. Right? Yeah, okay. Five. Okay. <laughs> okay. You got it. Well, now you gave me a clue. You said it was a group of fourteen to eighteen-year-olds. Oh, you're right. Yeah. You're right. So I can't. You know, I, I, as a physician, we have to be perceptive, but we've also <laughs> got to be good listeners. Okay. That's really cool. Yeah. It's also important for radio hosts. Oh, okay. Okay. So if you're hosting your own show, make sure you listen to your guest. Okay. Definitely. Don't be so focused on what you're going to say next that you don't listen. <laughs> Now, are you going to answer my question about okay. how you became a vegan? Okay, the moment of truth, the moment of honesty, why Mia Magdalena became vegan. So, honestly, there's just, I was just watching videos. Like, I was doing a project for my science class, and I was just like, oh, like, let me just do veganism because it looks like the easiest thing. Like, I mean, like, it's not something I would ever do because that's insane. Like, oh, you had no plans to do this? <laughs> no. Really? Yeah, I was like, this is honestly like, like they're crazy for doing that. I honestly don't know how they're like living. And, um, so I did more research and I got into it and I realized, Oh my gosh, this is so disgusting. You mean it's disgusting to be a vegan? No, it's disgusting to be a meat eater and a, a dairy consumer wow. and any animal products. So, uh, I watched like videos and I, like I told you about the bleaching of the milk, how uh -huh. they use, um, fat milk to make cheese. And I watched the slaughtering videos. Like, I literally, it broke my heart. So I was like, I need to be vegan. And I, like, like jumped the gun. I wasn't like, oh, let me do vegetarian. Like, uh -huh. I went full on. And I was like, like, I'm not eating meat ever again. Wow. We got to hear more of this story. I know you're on a tight <laughs> schedule because other things are happening for you. But can we keep you for 10 more minutes Definitely. and finish out the show? Yeah. Okay. We've got to step away for a break. I'm Dr. David DeRose, Mia Magdaleno. Um, actually, she's been trying to pull the mic out of my – no, she hasn't been doing that. But, <laughs> but she's she's uh, getting some experience as a radio host and also telling us, I think, some engaging stories. We'll be back with Mia for our final segment of American Indian Living. Don't go away. We will be right back. Today's broadcast has been pre-recorded. However, if you have questions about today's show or would like further information, please call 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. We'll be right back after this. One day, I'll teach chemistry to kids. I'm going to be an architect. My dream is to be a chef. At the U.S. Department of Education's Office of Federal Student Aid, we provide more than $150 billion each year in grants, loans, and work-study funds, making higher education possible for anyone at any stage of life. I can go back to college. I can change careers. I can make a difference. Federal Student Aid, proud sponsor of the American Mind. Learn more about money for college at studentaid.gov. Diabetes is a serious disease that runs in families. If your parents or siblings have type 2 diabetes, you have a greater chance of getting the disease. If you're African American, Hispanic, or Latino, American Indian, Alaska Native, Asian American, Native Hawaiian, or Pacific Islander, you also have a higher chance of developing the disease. The National Diabetes Education Program wants to help you understand your risk. Visit the NDEP website at yourdiabetesinfo.org for diabetes prevention tools, including the Family Health History Quiz. It started off as a normal day. I felt fine when I arrived at the plant. Ruth Junius's life was about to change. Then I dropped my keys. They kept slipping out of my hand. My arm felt numb. A co-worker asked me if I was okay, and I couldn't speak. I started to get scared. Ruth was having a stroke. 
People around her weren't sure what to do. They thought I should go home or lie down, but I knew something was very wrong. I wrote 911 on a piece of paper with my other hand, and someone called for me. Because everyone acted quickly, doctors at the hospital were able to give Ruth treatment that started to reverse the symptoms. Within a few minutes, I was talking again. I didn't know a thing about stroke before I had one. Now I make sure that my friends and family know all the signs of stroke so they'll get help fast if they need it. No stroke. Know the signs. Act in time. Call 1-800-352-9424 for more information. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, National Institutes of Health. You're listening to Dr. David DeRose on American Indian Living. Your comments and questions are welcome. Call now at 1-800-775-HOPE, 1-800-775-4673. Here again is Dr. DeRose. And we're back. Hey, guys. So you better turn that radio up because you're with Mia and Dr. DeRose. (laughs) We're going to get back on the topic of veganism and how it's shaped how we view meat eaters. (laughs) Okay, now... You, listen, you're doing a great job. I mean, you're already getting more experience. That second intro was better than the first that, one. Yeah, I thought so, too. <laughs> okay. I was less nervous. I feel like my nerves are coming down. Okay, good, good. Yeah. So Mia Magdaleno, if you uh, are just joining us, she's a young lady, 17-year-old uh, Navajo young lady who's been living in Southern California. Yeah. She's got a vision to go back to Indian country, give back, share her talents, make a difference in broadcasting, radio, television. doesn't know exactly where it's all going, but that's yeah. your, your career interest, right? Mm-hmm. Honestly, I think that I want to bring it more to the city. Oh, okay. Than, I mean, like, because I feel like, I mean, a lot of people from the reservation know, like, about that, but I feel like I want to bring more attention to, this, like, from the city life. Okay, so, like, help, sense. especially reaching out to urban Indians? Yeah, definitely. Like, have you heard about the whole thing with Cheyenne Woodley? Tell me. Okay, so she was protesting in Flint, Michigan for um, the whole water thing, you Mm -hmm. know, that's going on, the Mm -hmm. pipeline. Right, right. And actually, let me pull it up because I don't really know the exact details. Okay, so while Mia's pulling that up, let me just give you a little bit more background. So Mia and I have been on this uh, this journey together here on the radio show, and we found that we have a number of common points of interest. Not only do we both have interest in radio, and you obviously gathered that uh, over the years listening to American Indian Living, but we also uh, learned... Well, I mean, I knew before I started the show that I was a vegan, but I was surprised <laughs> to hear that Mia has also gone on a animal product-free diet yes. and has been getting benefits like having lost 40 pounds mm-hmm. and feeling better. Is that Definitely. safe to say? And actually, um, my acne, because I used to have a really bad acne when I was younger, uh-huh. and I mine it's like cleared up so much. I still have mild acne, but it's not like, whoa, like, what is that on your face? You well, know? if someone looks at you, they wouldn't think that you have much acne. Really? Yeah. Do you see that, like, when you see me? Not like, much. Really? There's not yeah. much there. I mean, I have a lot of patients who have a lot of acne, and, yeah. and you don't have much at all. Yeah, it used to be, like, really bad, like, and I, it would be worse because, like, I would pick at it, which I know is, like, really bad, but it was just, like, it was so much, and I was like, mm-hmm. oh, like, I don't want anyone to see my mm-hmm. acne. So I would, like, pick at it, and it would make it worse. But so you notice the diet improved that. Yeah. And let definitely. me see if I understood this, because we were closing out the last segment. You never intended to be a vegan. Yeah. It was a science project? Yes. And they and the, the project was people had to go on a different diet? Is that the idea? Um, no, it was just, like, studying why, um, how, yeah, like, different effects of diets um, and how it affected your body and stuff. Uh-huh. And then just, like, the interesting and, like, just helping animals and, like, making sure that they're safe, because... I feel like 
animals just they have souls too i guess you can say <laughs> like um i don't know like a lot of people are okay like i know sometimes i talked i talked with my spanish teacher mr kiefer and mm -hmm. he always tells me like oh like i don't care what you say i'm still eating my carne asada burrito like and it kind of makes me sad mm -hmm. i feel like animals they have feelings too. Yes. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm no, I'm, I'm I'm definitely on the same page with you there. That wasn't my motivation mm -hmm. when I was your age, uh, a little bit older to become a a vegan, but it was definitely you know on the health level. Yeah. And so we've got this this journey, and you're talking to native youth, saying that your experience where you just went on this science project and you chose the vegan diet because it seemed easy, huh? Yeah. And uh, boy, was I wrong. <laughs> okay. Honestly, uh. Because I love pizza so much. Like, that was my meal every single night. And then not going going from, like, pizza every night to um, hummus, crackers, and stuff like that. And just really being health conscious on what I'm eating. Mm -hmm. Like, if I go to a restaurant, I can't just, like, get a burrito because a bean and rice burrito. Because, the, like, the bean, uh, the, the burrito itself, like, the tortilla could have eggs or milk mm -hmm. in it. Mm -hmm. And, like, the other day I went out with some friends and, like, I was, like, like oh like does this have milk dairy and then they had to bring like an allergy list out mm -hmm. and they're like oh my gosh you're being so extra right now and i'm like guys i'm vegan stop uh -huh, uh -huh. but yeah so it definitely is a little more complicated but i feel like in the long run it's definitely way more worth it so. well that that's exciting now you were going to tell us about the the flint uh, water crisis and how i think another young lady inspired you right yes okay so cheyenne woodley she is an actor so she was arrested on monday for like criminal trespassing and um, she was protesting the Dakota Access Pipeline. Mm -hmm. And um, she was arrested. And it was so crazy. Like, they told her that she was arrested for trespassing. Uh, uh, you know when violent, too violent? Uh-huh. Like, a riot, the riot got too violent, I guess. And I so she was, assault she was arrested for that. And okay. I thought that was so crazy because someone who was trying to stick up, especially because she's, like, she's really well-known. Like, she's not, like, oh, my gosh, like, Selena Gomez. But she's, like, she's up there. And um, it's just so cool to see that she was able to impact some people's lives that way and, and go on to, to that reservation and mm -hmm. try to be an advocate for them because, you know, a lot of people have been trying to get their voice out there. And so when she helped, I think she brought a lot of attention to, attention to that issue. And why that resonates with you is because you're hoping to use your influence over the years and in the future mm -hmm. to bring attention to things that are affecting indigenous peoples. Is that what I'm reading into it? Um, yeah, yeah, and I'm just really interested, and I really enjoy meeting new people and just being able to connect with people and, like, just have a conversation with them mm -hmm. and just, just like, communicate. <laughs> well, that's, that's what talk radio is. Yeah. Talk radio is, it's a great privilege for me to have interesting guests on the show. So even though my listeners are benefiting from it, I get to meet all kinds of people and learn all kinds of things. Yeah. And sometimes we're actually learning lots of factual material that can be life-changing. Other times, it's talking with people who have inspiring stories. Yeah. Because I meet a lot of people, they're 20, they're 30, they're 40, they're 50. They say it's too hard to change. My whole family is doing something. But you're 17. Yeah. None of your friends are on this diet. Your family's no. not on it. And if a 17-year-old young lady can have the resolve to say, I'm going to get on a diet that's healthier for me, healthier for the planet, more considerate of animals, whatever you know reasons we want to go through, yeah, anybody could do that. Definitely. I mean, but it's, it can be hard, like you're saying. Uh -huh. Let me ask you a question, cause I'll, and I'll tell you first, since you don't have to even ask me. <laughs> I was like you. I had all these foods that I liked that weren't vegan. And 
if you you probably can't tell by looking at me, but three of my grandparents were born in Italy. Mm-hmm. So we ate lots of pizza too. So <laughs> so a lot of those things with the cheese, all that that all went out the out the door. But even though at first it was hard, I don't miss those things. Yes. I know the other day like I was thinking about chicken wings cuz my brother had that on his Snapchat story and I was like, mm, like wings sounds so good right now." Uh-huh. And then the next day we went to this restaurant, Hard Rock Cafe, okay. and they had like this veggie month going on. They had these cauliflower wings. Have you had that before? No, no. Those are so delicious. They're just made of cauliflower? Yeah, cauliflower. And then the outside is the breading, and it's uh-huh. just so good. And I'm just like, huh. what the heck? They actually tasted like wings, and I really did not expect that. I was just like, this is probably going to be really nasty, but huh. I'm going to try it anyways. And I really enjoyed it. So Great, great. Actually, I have a question for you. Go for it. Okay, so as a vegan, what's your favorite meal, like your go-to meal? Whoa, my favorite meal. Yeah. Um... I'm on the road a lot, mm-hmm. and one of the things I do eat a lot since you've mentioned it is hummus because it's, yes, it's usually it's so you know good. readily readily available in a lot of you know commer- commercial stores. I eat a lot of nut butter, oh, a lot yeah. of nuts That's good. and seeds, and uh, another staple for me is is whole grain breads. So of course, I eat lots of fruits and vegetables. Probably the most unusual thing I eat is uh, where people most people will put lettuce on sandwiches. Oh, okay. I prefer to put uh, raw collard greens. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's kind of kind of has a bite to it. I have to try that one time. Yeah, so when I'm traveling, because when I'm traveling, the lettuce doesn't hold up as well mm-hmm. as kale or collard. So I'll go to the, you know, stop in a grocery store and I'll pick some of that up. And uh, and, and I, I've really developed a taste for those. And I'll even eat the stems oh. of those things. I mean, again, it's kind of bitter. It's an acquired taste. Yeah. But here's a, here's a um, food science bonus for you. Okay, Mia, you ready okay. for it? Ready. They did a study some years ago. They were looking at the most powerful foods as far as their antioxidants and other what we call phytochemicals. Mm -hmm. And they found these most health-giving of plant foods usually had a bitter taste. Oh, yeah. So when we're educating our sweet tooth, we're actually educating ourselves not to like the most nutritionally powerful foods. We've got to develop our bitter taste, if you will. Like celery? Celery, yeah. I mean, these things, <laughs> when you eat those plant foods, we're getting all kinds of powerful nutrients. In the book, 30 Days to Natural Blood Pressure Control, another bonus for you, we now know that among those phytochemicals are what are called ACE inhibitory peptides. That means these are natural blood pressure-lowering compounds. Oh, so wow. for people who have high blood pressure, when they eat the cauliflower or, you know, and other things, they're getting health-giving compounds. They can even actually directly lower blood pressure. Nice. Well, listen, I know you may want to ask me the last question, but we're just out about just about out of time, and I want to ask you one more question. Go ahead. Has being my guest and actually being the guest host on American <laughs> Indian Living, has it caused you to lose interest in mass communications? Are you kidding me? Of course. If anything, this has just helped me really want to like work harder for this because this is something that's really cool. Like... Just talking on headphones, having a normal conversation, and just, it's like, it's kind of weird knowing that a lot of people are going to be listening, but it's kind of cool, like, at the same time, because you get to reach so many people. Yeah. Tremendous, Mia. We got to run. Okay. That was Mia Magdaleno, my special guest for the concluding segments of today's edition of American Indian Living. We want to say, for all of you, hopefully today's show has inspired you. If Mia can do it, if I can do it, you can do it, too. I don't know what the challenges are in front of you. But for all of us at American Indian Living, I'm Dr. David DeRose wishing you the very best of health. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network.